0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations. True owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which you broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders, past, present and emerging of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. Go, ready go, ready
2: go, go. This is
3: 3CR Breakfast.
4: Oh,
2: Alternative yeah. news, analysis Clap and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am oh,
4: yeah.
5: to 8:30am. <laughs>
1: Good morning. You are listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. Um, the time is 7am. Uh, it is uh, a bit of a morning. Hey. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you can feel it in the air. I mean, literally, yeah. I feel like I can't say that now. <laughs> being too on the nose. Um, but it is going to be an absolutely beautiful day. I looked at the weather forecast today, and it is going to be 28 degrees and sunny, so we can all get out there, get some sun on our face, have a walk, get some fresh air, you know, I think that's... that's. A really, really great thing to do. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. Anyway, um, so this is Tuesday Breakfast. In the studio, you have me, Zoya, and we have Madison. Good morning, Madison. Good morning. I just realized my headphones aren't working, so I'm going to just quickly <laughs> shift those across. Madison loves really hearing myself. the sound of her own voice. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really important that she gets that validation and that feedback yeah. loop going, otherwise... That's <laughs> entirely you know. why I'm here, really. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that's, we're all just narcissists at 3CR. That's, that's, that's how we function, Oh, didn't right? you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, we're we're not not a community radio station that cares about getting the voice out there of people who need to have their voices platformed. No, 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 it's all about our voices. Mm. Uh, So it's going to be just us for the rest of this show, nothing else. How exciting. (laughs) But not really. Um, So (laughs) uh, the show today, uh, before we jump into it, we might as well kind of uh, go through what we have on. Uh, We will obviously be doing news headlines and that kind of thing. Um, at 7.30, we'll be speaking with uh, Anthony Kelly, who is the uh, CEO of Flemington Kensington Legal Service. Um, He'll be talking about the Police Accountability Project's new Police Complaints chatbot, which uh, sounds like a really, really valuable resource. At 7.45-ish, we are going to be playing about 20 minutes from the Q and A segment of the Perth Festival live show of Wild Black Women, which is a fantastic uh, two woman um, show on 98.9 FM um, that um, up in um, Mianjin that is you know two fantastic, awesome First Nations women just talking about things in the news that make them a bit wild and. kind of just having a bit of fun with it as well. So Mm. we thought something lighthearted, but also that cuts through to stuff that's really important. It's kind of where we need to be right now. So we'll be playing you 20 minutes of that. Um, because I think they're far more capable of keeping our spirits up than, than I think Madison and I are. So yeah. <laughs> No matter how hard we try. Let's All rely could, on them. <laughs> or we could just spend 20 minutes talking about dogs and horoscopes.
6: I mean, that is, yeah, quintessentially what I do generally. Mm. So it feels mm. very um, reminiscent of mm. before.
1: I mean, I have that booked into our run sheet. Oh, beautiful. Seven, 740 to 743 dogs and horoscopes. Perfection. So, yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at... And at 8.10, we'll be hearing from Helen Dickinson, who is from the Center Center for Social Impact. They have recently released a report um, addressing or discussing the fact that the uh, disability sector is not adequately addressing what's going on right now Mm. around COVID-19. So I'm sorry to say there's going to be a little bit of COVID-19 chat, uh, we wanted to try and not have too much of that going on on the show today because obviously it's everywhere. But there are a couple of things that we think might be of interest and of note that we're going to discuss. But for the most part, we're going to try and keep it COVID light. Mm. COVID light. That That is our goal because there are so many other things going on in the world right now. And despite the fact that there's this stuff going on, there's still so much beauty and joy, mm. I think. I like Corona
6: light better, I think. It sounds more boozy. Yeah, that's and it true. could be a, a future marketing scheme on oh, behalf both. of Corona.
1: You could imagine, couldn't you, that there are capitalists out there just thinking of what are all the little jokes they can make about oh, products and and oh for sure, like, oh. they're just I, having too soon pitches, pitch meetings, being like uh, too soon. <laughs> mm, don't know. <laughs> Do you think those meetings are happening in in person or or
6: no over Stripe? <laughs> <laughs> I mean oh, I yeah. hope they're not happening in person. I mean, that's too, too too soon. That's yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, oh, I mean I think it's really important that we try and look at where's all the joy and the beauty out there in the world. Like mm. for example, I was out the other day going for a walk and I met two incredible dogs, oh. called Bear and Duke. Bear was a Maltese Shih Tzu cross oh, who was the runt of his litter. Oh. He was the size of like a large pastry. Wow. I mean, honestly, I, I don't. I don't think. I think that's the best way to describe of pastry. In. Do you think? Shape-wise. Ooh, um maybe like like a fruit a, loaf. Yeah, or like, or like a really big pound chocolate. Like he even had a little face okay. that looked like the front of a pound chocolate, just like with a cute little nose. Yes. Yeah. And Duke was a golden retriever who was enormous and goofy, and they loved Amazing. each other so much. And apparently, Bear uses Duke to jump onto things that are higher up than him. Ah. Oh. And I was like, well, that's community building. Exactly. Right there. Exactly. Dogs, they're the answer to absolutely everything. Absolutely. I think it's really important Just try and find those little points of joy. Try and find dogs the size of pastries, and I think that'll keep us going. Yes. Wonderful news. So we are are going to be trying to play a whole bunch of fun or... Uplifting music today to try and keep our spirits going. And I think Madison might have Yes, so I've gotten into
6: this... um, I mean, I'm sure you all know this track, um, but I've gotten into this habit of making playlists of accidentally very gay 90s tracks uh, or, like, noughties tracks. Um, So I feel like there was a real era there where, um, yeah, there's some accidentally gay lyrics. lyrics. Or maybe I just project... well, okay, yeah, I'll just. Sure, you sure it's not you? I think it's entirely me projecting. Um, either or, project with me. Uh, enjoy it this morning. It's all we've got. Um, this is Cheryl Crow. Yes. <laughs> yes. If it makes you happy. I mean, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. I love that. I think that's really nice. <laughs> okay, I'm going to press play. <laughs>
1: Madison, that was a great choice of song. Thank that you. That was, um, is it If It Makes You Happy? If It Makes You Happy.
6: And yeah. I've just projected, I like last night projected this entire queer narrative onto it. Um You know, there was this story, there was yeah, this that coming was, that was out was story. Projection. It was the entire projection. Like she's, Cheryl Crow, God bless. I mean, I do like straight sometimes, but
1: she's. Not one of our people, that's fine. <laughs> and also continue uh, on. I think there are plenty more songs from the nineties that have but actually far <laughs> more queer undertones <laughs> than if it makes you like No, but
6: that's the fun part of this new endeavor of mine in the uh, current
1: uh climate i'm just projecting onto every i'm rewriting i've been doing history. that with 90s tv shows so mm. much like every other person in my age bracket i've been watching a lot of buffy the vampire slayer amazing and i'm stuck in season three when faith comes in uh if anyone watches buffy they'll know where i'm going with this and it is the queerest storyline oh. in the entire world Incredible. i just i'm having flashbacks to being like little 12 year old me just being like I love this show. Yeah. Why do I love this Why show. Why do I love it? <laughs> ooh, ooh, there's a bit where Faith like comes to a window and opens it while Buffy's in biology class and draws a love heart with a stake through it, and then opens a window and like Buffy climbs out the window together and they run out wearing leather pants. Oh, and I'm where, like, they run out wearing leather pants. That's yeah. every hookup I've yeah. ever had. <laughs> That's oh like gosh. Relationships work, right? You jump out of windows wearing leather pants and you're married.
6: I have really kind of loved the, uh, the COVID-19 themed dating coverage or like, um, I've seen some hilarious, uh, posts. I saw one about, you know, what, what, what's the coronavirus going to do to polyamorous couples? I was like, oh god, I feel attacked. <laughs> and I saw
1: one, which is true, right?
6: <laughs> um, like messages, instead of being like Netflix and chill, you get like self-isolated and chill, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, sanitize together. I like how it's starting to be called the quarantine. The quarantine, yeah, queering the quarantine, rethinking. Oh, 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 I I posted something about that the other day. Yeah, it was about
1: we're two, we two weeks away from academics writing a book queering the quarantine. Yeah. Um, was it um, queering ideas of self-isolation? Yeah. or something like that? <laughs> it's going to be communes. Like, oh, that's, entirely. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, we're, yeah, we're working towards communes. I mean, and we're
6: practiced in chosen family. I mean, we're really we're practiced in the histories of. Um, of endemic that, that directly affect certain groups, and no one else seems to care
1: about. So the tweets are a little bit like, well, yeah, we've 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 had this down pat for a while. We're yeah, we're, we're going to get through. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to do a few little news headlines before oh our first interview. It's been uh, a slow news week. I wonder what's out there. I know. I couldn't find anything. Mm. Yeah, it was all just like. Dog videos and Instagram influencers brooking, you know, juices. Yeah, gosh, yeah, that's all it was. And Big Brother. Apparently. Big Brother. Big bro- is Big Brother back. Apparently, Big Brother's coming back. So that's Big all. So my, my news opinion. headlines are just Big Brother related. I, oh that, wow, that's okay. what need to do, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. It's
6: been interesting seeing um, even the Love Is Blind co- coverage because it's about pod dating. Dating in a pod, you never actually touch the person. I'm like, they, they knew. It.
1: <laughs> they knew. Oh, goodness. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, well, actually, before we jump into the domestic headlines, we are Mm. going to do a really quick rundown of um, some stuff around how we handle and manage COVID, because there's a lot of information out there, and I know everyone's a bit freaked out. So it's good to just kind of have it laid out exactly Mm. what some of these differences are, because obviously right now we're being asked across Australia to do what's called social distancing. Mm -hmm. um, And things like self-isolation only occur if you've been in contact with coronavirus. So... Just as a quick rundown, what is social distancing? So the government asked us on Friday to um, ban gatherings of over 500 people. So, you know, that's my usual party plans out the window because I do have that many friends. (laughs) And...
6: I know all the introverts are like, oh, no,
1: <laughs> what are we going to do? This is an extrovert's nightmare. And <laughs> I, I do not know what I'm going to do. Like, honestly, this is like me being this excited is me getting like all my energy out because I'm like, I don't know when the next time is I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, OK, but social distancing. So that means things like washing your hands often with soap and water for mm-hmm. at least 20 seconds. That includes like front, back, between the fingers. There's, you know, everyone's seen there's a lot of images out there on the Internet of it. Pick your favorite song, as they've been telling you to do, that goes for 20 seconds and wash your hands to it Mm. while you sing along. I've been getting quite a few different songs stuck in my head. Um, The chorus for Molotov by Puru is a particular favorite of mine at the moment. I love that. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. I found out I love touching my face. Mm. I love it. It's like my hobby. And I have, when I feel particularly
6: anxious or something, I just I just start sort of going yeah, at it. And, I, and then I'm like, hang on, this is a chicken and the egg situation.
1: Exactly, exactly. So now, I don't know, like... Scratch your shoulders. I I don't know. Everyone's going to start looking weird. Scratch your shoulders at (laughs) all. Think of like some funny things that you can do. Hands in pockets. Give yourself a little wiggle. Um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) A little wiggle. That sounds weird. You know, like move, move. Give yourself
6: a little wiggle. I think it wasn't just a little wiggle (laughs) (laughs) dimension, (laughs) Sawyer.
1: Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces regularly. So Mm -hmm. countertops, doorknobs, um, taps, uh, because, Mm. you know, the point is moot if the tap isn't clean. That's that's. That sounds like a proper <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Stay at home if you're sick. Don't expose others. Um, if you're unwell, if you like symptoms, don't go outside. We all know this. Um, get vaccinated for the flu when it's available in April. Mm. Um, I'm concerned about that. How are we going to have enough flu stocks? But I, I really, really hope the government has that in hand because, you know, they've had things in hand in the past. Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, they you really can't care hear about the sarcasm us. down the line enough. I don't know. <laughs> they really care. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> um, ensure you have enough supply of any medications being taken by you and your family. Uh, so head to the pharmacist, get that sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, stop shaking hands or kissing as a greeting. So, you know, elbows... There's a real Power Rangers vibe that
6: I'm loving at the moment, what, like the a bit of it? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm acting it out I'm just... You just have to take from my grunting that I'm actually doing some physical movement. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's really,
1: instead of elbows, it's sort of like lower fo- lower, lower arms. It's a bit oh. power injury. Oh, I really love this. Like, yeah. okay, so find some really entertaining means of greeting people. Mm. Avoid crowds if possible. K- if not, keep the time short. Stay yeah. a metre and a half away from each other. So that's about, like, two leg lengths. Mm, that's um, like so say hi by touching heels, and that way you know that's how far away you can be. Also very cute. Um, try, if you can... Not to use cash. Now, obviously, this is something that is speaking very deeply to yeah, privilege. Absolutely. So um, that is a really frustrating thing that a lot of com- or, like, businesses aren't taking cash at the moment mm. and things like that. That's really problematic. But if you can not use cash, try to minimize contact for people who may need to still use cash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Use public transport in less busy periods, if you can, and uh, consider whether to have a plan for sensible and necessary. Yes. Now, a lot of people are kind of also thinking, well, is that, do, I, do we all need to self, what's called self-isolate? Mm. No, we don't all need to self-isolate as of yet. Self-isolation should only happen if you are a confirmed case of coronavirus, a suspected case, or you've been in close contact with a confirmed or suspected case. So that will be all the things that we've been seeing in the news, like stay inside, don't leave for 14 days, um, wear a surgical mask if you must be outside. Surgical masks will not protect you from the virus, it mm. stops you from spreading the virus to people. So, that's really important. If you don't have the virus, don't suck up on surgical masks because you're taking it away from people who might need it. Mm. Um, if you are in a household with other people, you, the person who is sick should be confined to a single room and cared for by as few people as possible. Regularly clean high touch surfaces when you're inside. So, basically, you need to start using outside health procedures inside. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, that, those are kind of the things that you need to consider. If you've been in casual contact, that's if you've been in contact for 15 minutes or less with a person who's had coronavirus. So that's if they've made an announcement, if you were on this train or if you were in this area, maybe you should consider that, um, you should self isolate for 14 days. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, it's sort of, um, you know, I don't think we're quite at that point, but, um, or if you think you might have it, um, don't, go to the doctor unless you are showing symptoms that's the current medical advice yes. because yeah. we don't want to overload the system the self-isolation is all we need to do you don't need to even be tested for it yeah. um, we have very minimal testing kits out there they need to be saved for people who do genuinely need to be tested so if you practice proper self-isolating guidelines stay inside for 14 days um, only, you know, wear a mask outside. If you want to go for a walk, do it during less busy times, maybe in the evening, maybe early morning, or, you know, in an area that you know is very underpopulated, yes. or even just like stay on your bike and go for a bike ride because then you're not near people. Um, do those kinds of things. But please, 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 if you have not been in close contact with a person who's had COVID, try to avoid going to the doctor mm. and do this in a much more preventative way. Well, it was something we we discussed
6: totally in the car um, on the way here just discussing how it's not like other illnesses or ailments just stop. Like there's no (laughs) the the other uh, (laughs) bad things that occur in the world aren't just making space for COVID-19. So, um the the all of the health places health places i need to wake up a little bit don't i mm-hmm. all of the health places the hospitals um are still having to to care for a lot of different people um void of this virus in general
1: exactly so if you think you've just got the got a cold and you haven't been near someone who's had it just just use use, use common sense mm. um so that's us doing a covid light show great uh <laughs> covid that make it cute <laughs> covid that- make it
6: cute <laughs> too soon too soon <laughs> all perpetually too i mean yeah the news cycle is so quick but i think everything's too
1: soon i'm waiting for like the 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 novelty baby grow t-shirts or something yeah that gonna be. like i was in nine months in time oh, yeah covid gosh. baby like it's gonna COVID happen baby it's gonna happen no. i'm waiting for the first baby that's called covid covid i'm <gasps> genuinely right, but too soon too soon the that, to that, that joke too. is way too soon my brain went off on that one and i should not have said that i'm Um, here for it i'm so sorry but i'm just i'm madison and i get each other into spirals and this is this is us trying to make light of something that is genuinely stressing us all out yeah and and sometimes you have to try and find the joy in something but also we're trying to we want to make sure we don't cross the line in this stuff because obviously this is a very 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 serious thing Mm. as i said before about this self-isolation and what we need to do to prevent this um but it doesn't mean that we can't try to find levity with each other because it's the only way that we're going to get through this, and yeah. um, we will get through this. Yeah, um, absolutely. Speaking of humour, before we go into news headlines,
6: um, I was requested to read out this funny tweet, and I'm going to totally butcher it because it's formatted like a tweet and not like something you read out. Um, but uh, you know those tweets with the like little hand holding to show that like there's two of the same thing. Oh God, oh, you're doing a visual
1: tweet. I'm okay. doing. I keep
6: doing a visual tweet. Um, it says Karl Marx, and the emails from my professors during COVID-19. Multiple texts expressing the dire need and urgency to rethink class. (laughs) Adore. On to news headlines. Uh, On domestic news headlines, uh, this is all very dire. I'm so sorry. Um, But the National Indigenous Australians Agency, the NIAA, wrote to the Community Development Program, the CDP providers, on Monday to tell them that mutual obligations remain in place at this stage, meaning that Aboriginal folk will still be expected to turn up for work or risk losing their welfare payments. The letter said any CDP participant who is unwell and may have been in contact with someone who has been diagnosed with COVID-19 should call Centrelink to discuss obtaining a major personal crisis exemption valid for 14 days to avoid any suspension of payment. On Monday, Australia's peak Aboriginal health group, representing hundreds of community-controlled healthcare services, called for state and ter- territory governments to urgently protect Aboriginal folk in remote areas who are highly vulnerable to COVID-19. Um, yeah, so we still need to remind ourselves of the sort of ongoing um, violence and colonisation that is occurring, especially during this time. Uh, Four Corners has obtained video footage, which shows an SAS, Special Air Service Operator, before I say this, trigger warning violence. Uh violence death and shooting an unarmed Afghan man three times, uh, while he cowers on the ground. His death took place within three minutes of the soldiers arriving in the village and the ADF, Australian Defence Force investigation later ruled uh that the killing was justified, apparently, because it was in self defence. So it was one of a series of cases uncovered by Four Corners that may constitute war crimes. Uh and Dad Muhammad was his name, which is an important thing to remember in these times. He wasn't nameless, not wasn't faceless. He was thought to be 25 or 26 years old. Four Corners can reveal that the SAS soldier who killed Dad Muhammad is still serving in the Special Forces. And lastly, uh, second lastly, from Tuesday onwards, Woolworths stores will open exclusively to the elderly and those um, with a disability from 7am to 8am daily. And from Wednesday, calls will do likewise from 8am to 9am. Woolworths has said that patrons will be granted access by showing a relevant government-issued seniors pension or disability card, while other shoppers will not be able to enter until after 8am. Coles also said it would be hiring more than 5,000 casual team members to help deal with demand.
1: Yeah. That will hopefully really, really help with mm. what's happening if people can get out. If you, and So if you're in a position to be able to help people, um, yeah. obviously to get into the shops... That would be really great if you have a car or whatever. There's so, many, there's so much great community stuff that's happening right now. And, and um, let's keep that up. Yes. So international news. We obviously are going to have my regular check-in on what's happening in India with the Citizenship Amendment Act just today. So Monday, in, end of Monday in, um, in India, beginning of today. In Rajasthan, the Ashok Gelot led Congress government um, has issued a or submitted a challenge to the Citizenship Amendment Act in the Supreme Court of India. So that's uh, yet another state that is um, expressing its concerns about the Citizenship Amendment Act, which we remember is an act with, um, within the um, citizenship bill that uh, gives citizenship to people around in states surrounding India who are not Muslim. Uh, and it's being used as a means uh, ostensibly to provide asylum to people who are suffering religious persecution. But it's re- in reality, a big, big part of it is to try and effectively start um, documenting and potentially isolating or reducing the rights of Muslim citizens and residents in India. Mm. That's led by the Modi government, um, who's the leader of the BJP, which is the Hindu Nationalist Party. So it, this, has been a long, yeah, this has been a long process, it's been happening. The, it was in, I think it was in December they passed the bill. Um, but but you know, in August, Jammu and Kashmir had a bunch of its rights taken away. That autonomous region basically, basically ceased being autonomous. So all these things are happening. But the Rajasthan government has um, filed a suit, so that could... Go in any direction. It's going to be very interesting. On Monday, the Telangana State Assembly also passed a resolution against the Citizenship Amendment Act, the National Register of Citizens and the National Population Register. These are all just kind of like different mechanisms by which the Modi government is trying to keep track of its Muslim... uh, citizens and also basically it's non-hindu citizens it's Mm. it's registering people's religions and and you know it's saying muslim right now but right now but you know within the bjp you've got hindu first and everything else falls out Mm. falls underneath in a list all the way down to muslim it's it's terrible um delhi kerala Punjab, and odisha among among other states have also expressed their reservations to these three um entities the caa the nrc and the npr um and the governments of Bihar and Maharashtra have suggested they will agree to conduct the NPR only under the 2010 guidelines, which I think are slightly um, less strict and stringent um, and aggressive than uh, the guidelines right now, as far as I know. Uh, a couple of other things in the U.S., um, uh, Louisiana became the first state to postpone a scheduled potential pr- primary election because of the ongoing uh, COVID outbreak. Um, they were due to vote in, on April 4th in both the Democratic and Republican primaries, but their vote is now going to take place apparently on June 20th. Considering how, well, how long this um, pandemic may last, that, that may be delayed even further, how mm-hmm. this is going to impact the U.S. elections is pretty enormous. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll keep kind of staying on top of that. In other things, we also need to consider the war in Syria has been going on for a long time now. and We still we are not talking about it right now. Yeah, it has been this month is um, nine years since it started. Wow. And we need to remember this, that there is this enormous war that has displaced so many people and is one of the biggest conflicts in living history. Four point eight million children have been born into this war. Mm. That's all they know. Two point eight million children aren't in school right now. Um, The fighting in Idlib, which is a town in northwestern Syria, um, since December the 1st, that's only what? four months has displaced more than 960,000 people, including 575,000 children. Now, that's not necessarily news. I'm not saying anything, you know, new there. These are just things that are ongoing. But we need Mm. to remember there's other stuff out there. And when I was trying to find more information about Syria, I could barely find anything updated because all the journalists have been thrown at covering COVID. And yes, it needs to be covered because we need to be aware of what's happening Mm. and we need to manage this pandemic. But... Other things are happening, including this war, that is going to impact how this pandemic spreads. Absolutely. And uh, so many other things that are going on. Mm. So we really need to consider that. Um, Other things, including some kind of good news. So in Zimbabwe, very recently, um, there are these eight stone statues of birds Mm. that uh, stood on plinths in Great Zimbabwe between the 11th and 13th century that are the symbols of Zimbabwe. They're like on the flag. They're these huge things. Um, I think seven of them were taken by colonial powers. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, no. Seven or eight of them. Like, yeah, I know. Who knew? Oh, my God. I was in shock when I read this. Honestly, I just fell on the floor. Um, so Great Zimbabwe is like, yeah, this, this big um, kind of town or kingdom. Um, six of them so far have been returned which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think the first, one of them was returned from Germany in 2003, I think. Um, I don't have the dates exactly up in, in front of me. Um, there is just one left that hasn't been returned mm. um, as of this month, and it is in uh, Cecil Rhodes's house in South Africa. <laughs> so South Africa's returned a bunch of different stuff, but because... The Cecil Rhodes house was left to the South African government on his death or something. There's some complicated process. I don't know. But really, really, really close to having the repatriation of a bunch of these really, really important. It's not just that they're items that were stolen. They're items that were stolen that are deeply embedded in the national psyche of Zimbabwe. Mm. So that's pretty awesome.
6: Another thing that's kind of awesome um, is the NGV is actually running these virtual tours of some exhibitions on their website, which is really, really, really lovely, and one of the tours where you can actually explore in the 3D with your friends around the computer screen – actually, not with your friends. What am I saying? I just, um... Oh, just just –
1: Explore with your cat. Explore with
6: your cat uh, is Marking Time, which is a huge exhibition which looks at images, signs, and text drawn or marked on public surfaces across Indigenous Australia from ancient times to now. Um, so you can still engage in these sort of large-scale exhibitions – uh, in creative and interesting ways. Support your local artists, get on board and have a bit of a search on the internet and have some fun with it.
1: That sounds really great. Yeah. So I think we might go to a- another song. Yes. I'm relying on... Madison, is this from your 90s back catalogue? No, this Ooh. isn't
6: actually. This is a hilarious song by one of my favourite artists of all time, Emma Russack, um, who is a Melbourne musician and it's called If You Could See Me Now. <laughs>
1: Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR that was a really I thought it was a lovely song yeah did you say it was funny?
6: it's really funny we weren't really listening to the lyrics but I hope everyone else was it's just a hilarious break up song about um, I get up at 6 I don't need coffee if you could see me now I'm doing all these good things I'm kidding myself come back <laughs>
1: it's, it's quite, um, I lo- quite I love hilarious. that um uh <laughs> that's really funny yeah um no i wasn't listening to the lyrics so i was too busy drinking the curdled soy milk coffee that madison made for oh, me oh
6: i am so glad you liked it so yeah uh, there is a reason yeah. i don't work in hospitality um <laughs> well i did for a very long time and just did it badly
1: so yeah, clearly curdling <laughs> the soy milk it's actually okay to be honest it's got a nice texture to it it's i guess yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Anyway, in far more serious news uh, Mm. We have an interview now with uh, Anthony Kelly The CEO of Flemington Kensington Legal Service uh, Who is going to be talking about the Police Accountability Project's New Police complaints chatbot Um. Anthony, can you hear us?
7: Yes, good morning
6: Good morning, how are you this morning, Anthony?
7: I'm very good, thanks
6: Thank you so much for making time for us today. Uh, We just wanted to have a little chat about the new chatbot, a little chat about the new chatbot. Um, So perhaps we start by getting you to tell us how the idea was formed for the Police Accountability Project's new chatbot.
7: Sure, sure. So for some years now, we've run a a statewide police complaints (laughs) clinic with Melbourne Uni Law School. And it was funded by the Legal Services Board. And uh, the idea was to assist people across Victoria with police complaints and have both lawyers and law students assist people draft letters and send in complaints. Mm-hmm. And we ran that from 2015 up until last year, basically. And we were essentially overwhelmed. We got over 400 um, uh, people seeking assistance every year. And it was oh. far too much for our small community legal centre, and we did the, the best that we could, of course, and we gathered lots of uh, information about the, how poor the and difficult the current police, police complaint system is in Victoria, and we used a lot of that um, information and case studies and so forth to, um, as part of our advocacy work, campaigning with the state government to uh, improve the the complaint system so that we have an um, independent investigative model. That's what we're overarching, that's our overarching goal.
6: Yeah, okay.
7: But, uh, and um, we're still working on that, of course, but one of the initiatives that's arisen out of all those insights is uh, this uh, joint project It's come from um, a law firm that we work closely with, Robinson Gill, who have a police misconduct um, um Part of, their, part of their firm. They mm-hmm. do lots of really really good um, cases against police on behalf of Victorians. And also Joseph Legal, which are a start-up tech company that have been doing uh, tech development in, uh, for legal firms in a whole range of different areas. And uh, over the last, well, basically six months or so, we've been developing this chatbot, which is designed to allow people to draft a, a letter to um, either Victoria Police Professional Standards Command or to IBAC, which is the Independent Broad-Based uh, Commission Against Corruption,
5: mm.
7: and that's um, uh, they're the two primary complaint options that we have if someone is uh, assaulted or abused or discriminated against by a police officer or a uh, or a protective service officer in Victoria. So the idea is to simplify the process of taking that initial step of sending in a formal letter of complaint yeah. uh, about Victoria
6: Police or PSO. So, how is um, access to the knowledge that the chatbot exists distributed amongst um, a variety of different people?
7: Well, we're just sending it out now, so we only launched it just last week. So yep. we've we've put the word out amongst our networks and. Uh, and uh, on media and so forth, so it's slowly getting out there, so users only just started, really. Um, And of course, this is the first uh, version of it, like most online tools and um, tech solutions. It's going to go through various um, incarnations. We're going to review it uh, as people start using it and see how we can improve it.
6: Absolutely. I think that's a really, um, that sounds incredibly positive and there's something really telling and important about having a program that is accessible on an online platform that also um, allows that, you know, the process of formalizing um, that complaint to be executed by people that perhaps otherwise wouldn't be able to or wouldn't wouldn't understand their power in that situation.
7: Yeah, that's right. It's very difficult to write a letter, uh, you know, especially a formal letter and get everything clear and you get, so this chatbot asks basically a series of questions about, you know, what happened, where was it, what time was it roughly, and, and, um, do you know anything? Do you have any photos or video evidence and you can upload those? And then, um, it, um, it asks, just the sort of details that need to be asked that you would be asked by a lawyer or someone assisting you at a community legal centre,
5: mm. and
7: then it then it automatically puts that into a uh, a formal letter with the right addresses and um, you know sort of laid out properly so that it's very clear.
6: Oh wow! So automatically it, does that? Does it?
7: Uh, yeah, that's right, and oh. then you don't have to add your name and address to that letter straight away, you don't have to give your name and address or details to the actual chatbot. You can add that later on your own home computer, yeah. so you can use the chatbot entirely anonymously if you wish to, and you can add that later, and then you can choose to send that letter. You can print it out mm. at home or at a local library, you don't have to send it in straight away, you can use that letter as a record. And show a lawyer or you can, you know, um, you can send it in when you want to then. Mm. Uh, and so it gives people that initial statement that they've made, um, as a, as a resource that they've gone ahead. So after, after there's some sort of incident they've had with police experience, uh, it could be an assault, so it could be something quite traumatic, uh, it allows them to really make sure they've got everything in a letter format so they can make that complaint. Yeah. further um, so down the track.
6: Yeah, it really seems like it's focused on ensuring there's agency in that space, being able to sit with that letter, have it sort of structured in a way that that means that it, it can go ahead really, really smoothly, um, at least from an administrative point of view. But it's still on the subject's terms, whether or not they want to send it and when they want to send it.
7: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's not legal advice too. So mm. we always recommend that if people are being charged or potentially being charged... Uh, in the in the same incident, if they have been arrested and so forth, that it's always best, of course, to see a lawyer
5: mm. and
7: then and um, and ask about making a complaint, maybe after the charges have been heard, uh, whenever the lawyer suggests. And um, there's lots of other options as well, of course, aside from just making a complaint. You can see a lawyer about civil litigation, or you can see a lawyer about other, you know, you can see other, there's other options that people have aside from just the current complaint process. Mm. So at least the letter writes it all down for you so you've got that initial statement and you can make that, um, that complaint to IBAC or, or um, Professional Standards Command yeah. uh, if you wish to. And I should talk a little bit about the difference because that's, it's, um, it's something that Parliament is deliberating about at the, at the moment. Is that uh, uh, for many years now we've been calling for independent investigation of police complaints.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Of course, at the moment, most people would be aware that uh, if you make a complaint about a police officer in Victoria, it's investigated by another police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, in many areas, it'll be a colleague or a supervisor of the police officers um, actually involved, and then uh, who knows them? You know, you might know them personally, and in, in other cases. It's um, by someone who's, who's um, seconded to professional standards command to go out and do this for a period of time, investigate other police, mm. and it's a very inadequate system. Uh, only a tiny percentage of complaints against police are uh, found to be substantiated through this current system, and we know that there's a, a, a lot, um, need, a lot more than that, deserve to be substantiated. Yeah. So it's an utterly flawed system at the moment. And even if people complain to IBAC, which is the independent body against corruption in Victoria, who have a mandate to, uh, to oversight police misconduct, uh, in the vast majority of cases, 90%, sometimes more, um, that complaint will be handed back to police because, yeah, they, because IBAC don't have the resources or the capacity to investigate more. Mm. And so this is something that needs to change and the Victorian Government is looking at it at the moment. There's a whole series of recommendations made by a committee that uh, need to be responded to at at some point soon. The Royal Commission into Informer X is really the only delay uh, at the moment. Mm. And um, we're hoping that the Victorian Government's going to bite the bullet on this and make sure that IBAC have got the resources to investigate Far more instances of police misconduct than they currently
6: do. On the topic of the inadequacy of, you know, the system through police camaraderie um, and whatnot, do do you think this will? I mean, this has really affected people experiencing family violence situations. Um, do you think it will make a difference for people experiencing policing issues in in family violence situations?
7: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the big areas that we've been looking at now for several years, so that when police utterly fail to protect survivors of family violence, when they misidentify, when they uh, fail to um, enforce enforcement orders, fail to protect um, women who are in incredibly um, dangerous situations, Mm. uh, it's really high-risk scenarios, and and people in those scenarios are either incredibly
6: In terms of that um, sort of independent body, sorry to interrupt you there, Anthony, um, in in terms of the process of creating this chatbot and and the collaborators that went went into this, how involved were people with experience of police accountability issues?
7: Well, we we got a few people to look through it who have gone through the complaint process
6: Mm -hmm.
7: and the reports were that it was easy, that it was relatively straightforward and simple. Uh, of course, there's always barriers for mm-hmm. every online tour for people with literacy, you know, and language issues are still a barrier. It's only in English. It's, uh, do- it doesn't have translation yeah. capacity at the moment. Uh, they're all things that, you know, hopefully we can improve over time and, and add in. So it's still, there are, of course, the all the, the regular barriers that people have for online access and um and you know, and language that's still left people have to people never never through mm. and one of the uh, one of the aspects that we're seeing that this bot will be useful for is to assist uh, community workers and lawyers and paralegals and even friends and family to be able to help people through um drafting a letter,
4: yeah. so
7: it's a sort of tool that you could sit down with a person uh, on a computer and you ask and you could ask them the questions and then help them fill out the answers yeah. Um, so so it 's an assisted um, tool for workers who aren 't say legal, lawyers who aren 't specializing in police complaints to uh, to help people draft these letters mm. uh, so that 's one of the ways we 're hoping that it will be used and uh, it could be used that way
6: yeah, of course i mean I, I feel like you 've captured this really um, succinctly throughout this interview, but as a nice little way to i guess wrap up um, what sort of broad Social changes? Are you hoping to come from this in the context of, you know, citizens' relationships with their own rights um, and and police and their their positionality in the world? I guess.
7: Yeah, look, that's a really big question. Really, mm. um, <laughs> we, we want to see uh, very you know uh, robust um, and accessible police accountability
5: systems mm.
7: that that are responsive to the. And centre around the needs of people who've experienced horrific police misconduct, Mm -hmm. or any sort of police misconduct, really. Um, And so, and that system just doesn't exist yet. There's there's systems around the world that are better, where that are safe and uh, accessible for people to go and make uh, formal complaints against police. And the police are, you know, an extension of the states.
6: Yeah, I imagine that there is that real flow and effect because the the relationship police have to the world they occupy, um, and I guess the the lens within which they can go to preserve their their um, lack of transparency um, will will inevitably change if there are independent bodies such as this. Yeah, that's
7: right. Yeah, so so there's the the individual response there about being brave you know being brave and making complaints and mm. that's uh, you know the the work that we do is only possible because of people who have stood up against the injustices that they've suffered and they don't want to see other people suffer the same thing so they've become advocates uh for you know far greater than themselves their own their own um their own situation mm. so so the people standing up against uh, what you know the injustice that they've either witnessed or experienced is really important and that's that's a vital part of um you know the the work uh, and then there's the advocacy the broader advocacy that we can do to make sure the system is responsive for those people who are standing up and uh and is able to support them and to um uh, to properly investigate and then in, and then prosecute uh, mm. police that that um, act outside the law.
6: Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for your time this morning, Anthony. Uh, just so for people listening at home, where can we find more information about the Police Accountability Project?
7: So the Police Accountability Project has a, a website, policeaccountability.org.au, mm-hmm. but you can go direct to the Police Complaints chatbot and there'll be, there'll be lots of links and they'll be referred to by law firms and everything, but it's policecomplaints.com.au.
6: Wonderful.
7: So if people go straight to that um, URL, that website they can go straight to the Police complaint spot and mm-hmm. for more information about the, you know, the overall campaign and the, the work that we do it, it's uh, um, policeaccountability.org.au
6: Wonderful Thank you so much um, Anthony and I hope you have a lovely day
7: Thanks very much, you too
6: <laughs> Hi, my name's Pilar Aguilera and I'm 3CR's chairperson I'm
2: urging you to become a 3CR subscriber we need to keep independent, radical, dissenting voices on air. Social change doesn't just happen. We need to nurture it. We desperately need to hear alternative ideas that allow us to organise, build community and change the systems that continue to oppress us and destroy the planet. Put your money where your mouth is. Become a member. Subscribe today. Six
3: years I've been Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria.
7: It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time,
8: you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just, just want to say thank you doors, to all of calls, for the 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 you for giving us the opportunity to speak the on air. The, reason, the bigger the calling, make your
7: commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to
3: audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well online at any time. Just go to threecr.org.au forward slash Beyond the Bars.
7: But
8: also while I'm here I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this, it's really good, you know, it's been going for a while now, hopefully it goes, it keeps going, you know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there, as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here and it comes from family.
3: If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03
8: 9419
1: Good morning. This is Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. In the studio, you have me, Zoya, and you have Madison. Hi. And Madison just spoke with uh, Anthony Kelly, who's a CEO of the Fitzroy, sorry, the Flemington Kensington Legal Service, um, about their new police accountability chatbot that sounded just so good. So good. So, so necessary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fantastic. We will absolutely put some links to that. Um, somewhere, socials, mm. and the more we sort of, I guess, uh, highlight the importance of that, the more it will be able to be made
6: accessible, which is something Anthony said was um, very important for the future, yeah. you know, in languages that aren't just English um, and through different points of access with various people.
1: Absolutely. Really, really Im- important resource. Mm. Coming up now, we have, you know, maybe sort of 15, 20 minutes of audio for you from uh, the wild black women live show in perth wild black women is a show on 98.9 fm up in Mianjin that is presented by angelina hurley and chelsea bond angelina hurley is a Jagara, goreng goreng munanjali birya and kamilaroi woman who's a comedy writer and currently studying for a phd that is focused on comedy mm-hmm. um, love that yeah i know <laughs> uh Chelsea Bond is a Munanjali and South Sea Islander woman and is a Principal Research Fellow within the School of Social Science at the University of Queensland. And on the panel they had Auntie Professor Pat Dudgeon, who is a Bardi woman and a psychologist, actually the first Aboriginal woman to register as a psychologist in Australia. Wow. And Auntie Ningala Yaran Mark, who is a Wangathu Yamachi, um, noongar gicha lawyer and aboriginal rights activist and i've got the bit that's sort of the q a where people talk about you know they ask some questions about different things so it should be a nice little sort of light-hearted yet informative thing to listen to um hi i'm a wild black woman from an woman. woman
4: <laughs> um, i actually work at a, a, a catholic boarding
0: school here in wa 70 percent of our kids are actually aboriginal kids from the kimberley pilbara alice springs darwin Algoorlie, Geraldton, and all the small country towns around. As an Aboriginal teacher at that school, my biggest frustration is that, A, nobody listens to what the other Aboriginal people, um, ATAs and that have. They just don't listen to what we have to say. And trying to get through to people that Aboriginal kids learn differently and we get told, no, because it doesn't fit in with the education department. Mm. Yeah, mm. That's, that's a big mm. one. In fact, that was the theme for the movie in My, Bl- in My Blood It Runs about a young Indigenous kid in the territory who was actually extrapolated out of the world of school teaching who were only concerned with managing his behaviour and he was constantly being confronted with the threat of sitting in the naughty corner. And the education system, I was surprised and alarmed at the teaching materials. So the teaching materials was a book about Australia who didn't have any coloured folk in it, talked about little old Captain Cook and his adventures from 1952, for God's sake.
5: <laughs> this is the 21st century, honey. Please
0: explain. I'll explain. <laughs> the <laughs> And so this child then asked the question... I'm sorry miss but Aboriginal Australians have been here for hundreds of thousands of years and he was scolded for daring to question the authority of the education constructs that was really about colonising our minds for black kids to be told that somehow your black history doesn't matter but what I found from that experience was this young man was then couched in love and culture and language he was multilingual, spoke three native tongues outside of English and so I don't know about any of you in the room but the scientific evidence is overwhelming kids that can speak multiple languages have a high IQ and here was a system penalising a young black kid because he dared to ask the question about Aboriginal presence long before little old Captain Cook bought his lovely little boat here so, um, <laughs> therein lies the answer for that young boy. His family extracted him from that space and allowed him to grow up being honouring his gift. He was a healer. He was a spiritual healer. And the family wrapped him up, generated this enormous amount of praise and generosity and encouragement for the gift that had been placed on his life and then undertook the exercise to educate him as to how he's going to be in the world with this special gift that he holds on to. So I thought it was a remarkable story. It showed the good, the bad and the ugly, but it certainly showed an ugly side of education that was about exclusion. So maybe you could
9: ask all your fellow teachers to watch that show. Well,
0: well I have to say that the lady who produced the movie, who was a delightful... Very generous young woman who had, who actually learnt from this young boy in following him in the three years that it it took to make the movie. She learnt as much about all of the things, because here's the irony of that particular movie. We're often being told, particularly the Northern Territory intervention was a classic, oh, you black people, you've got all of these pedophiles in your community, you're raping little children. There's no... We all know that that was a concocted load of bull. Beep, 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 beep. This filth is in our parliament. <laughs> all of that nastiness was created for an ulterior motive, and it was about a land grab. It had nothing to do with the welfare of black children. But what you see in this movie is the strength of the family, mums and dads going over and above the call of duty to keep their children safe. And yet that narrative has been turned on its head when it comes to which is why we've now got another generation, stolen generation, because the pervading view is still that black mummers
3: don't have a maternal bone in their body. I'd like mm. some arsehole to say that to me. <laughs> hey, really? Hey. Mm. But I think and I think that's the um, I think People um, don't always realise why um, being a wild black woman is necessary. Because um, I think some of us try and get the evidence base and make an articulate and insightful case for why things need to be done differently, but often don't get heard and don't get listened to. So sometimes you just got to get wild and tell them. Yeah, ain't you, Pat. Yeah. Just tell yeah. them. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't worry so much about the kids. I think they
9: should see that um, documentary, but I think the teachers and the department that you're under need to see it because maybe they will start um, challenging the curriculum. Maybe. I know she's shaking her head going, no. But yeah. I think the kids need to see it too. Why? Because it sends a message to
0: young black people that you are important, that you are special, that you have a gift and you being here is real, you, you being here adds value and you being here is the purpose of us being here to support you as your black family. Oh, we have one more question at the back.
5: Hello. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah. I'll just be quick. Just In My Blood It Run starts at Luna Cinemas next Thursday. So if anyone wants to see it, it had a run at Somerville, but so it's starting next
6: week at Luna if anyone wants to see it. Cool. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Yeah.
7: I have a quick question for you. Your show's been on, on radio for, what, two, three years? Yeah. couple of years, yeah. Sounds like your listening audience is growing rapidly. Could you
5: have well, any I'd indication say. of what it's like? <laughs>
4: Do you have an well, idea we, of what the audience listening size is? Well, really strange. We did it for a while, and then the station was like, oh, yeah, I think they were a bit shocked. I didn't know what they thought. But then <laughs> they just let us keep going because we must get listeners. And someone sent me a statistic, like it was like a year or something afterward. It was a really weird statistic, with the highest demographic of people listening to a show were men from 40 to 65. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, the Chelsea yours. <laughs> You can have those big lucky <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> skins. So like, we, we, we're consciously conscious that, you know, we're making, um we're making this show for black women because nothing good is ever reserved exclusively for black women. And mm. so often we have to see the news and see ourselves represented in certain ways. And it's like, no, we're just going to talk to each other as though we're just talking with each other. And mm. it's a really conscious, deliberate effort when you're 3% of the population to pretend that 97% of the population isn't watching you all the time, because mm. of course it is watching us all the time, they pull us over on the road walking to the shops, um, so we're constantly being surveilled, and so to, to make a decision to go on a public domain and say we're going to pretend that this, this isn't here and it's just for us, um, has, it's been fun and it's been new, um, but what, what, yeah, it did shock me though in terms of who does listen in, even though this show is not meant for them, um, <laughs> you know it's the only Paul black to listen to listening to Listening to because mm. he might husband gets the pool water tested and the guy goes, oh, are you in relation to Chelsea Bond? I, I listen to a wild black woman. And that really shocked me that there was this, this audience that we didn't intend to do the show for that are listening in on our yarns um, and mm. enjoy that. Some of them get a bit triggered by it, um, mm. but also there are people who really enjoy that. And I think for us, it's been um, the lessons I think in thinking about black creative works is oftentimes they're made to be consumed for a white audience, mm. which good ways, of course, that, you know, there's an audience. Um, but black creative works, when made just for black people, is a very different kind of product, different kind of humour. Um, it just feels different. And um, we don't have a lot of that at times. It's hard to find sometimes <laughs> because we're expected to make a product that's going to be palatable for the whole a mainstream audience. Yeah. Um, and so that's a real challenge, I think, sometimes. And men are
4: always put to the forefront. So, and so we, that was a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> No, but there's always men sporting, you know, like, when they're talking about the first thing that comes to mind is, like, sports stars and, you know, your male artists and, you know, like, especially in Queensland, and this whole of Australia is sports mad, but in Queensland it's very much football, it's just rugby, and, you know, let's let's have a, a conversation and a story and celebrate some women's voices and get people to hear... We just talk like this all the time. We have Mm -hmm. conversations like this all the time. They're very open and honest. But I'm curious, I'm
0: curious, because every time, in my experience, every time something works exceptionally well when Indigenous Australians have articulated or or created the spaces, do you ever get a comeback of,
3: oh, that's reverse racism? All the time. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Look, I mean, we, so you weren't saying before about the complaints we, we get. So um, we get the complaints about laughing too much, like, just because people go, well, you're laughing at us. And it's like, no, we're laughing about our oppression um, as a way yeah. to, to claim some power in this. You know? <laughs> get on the show every fr- Friday and cry. Um, yeah, so we laugh about, it, but also we laugh about complaints. So we have a thing where we've had complaints and. Um, yeah. but we didn't and know what to do with it. All well, the stations, because like, well, we've got, got these be... complaints, how are you going to manage it? And Angie's like, yep, we'll get some violin music and we'll read the complaint on air. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and we'll laugh at them. So the first... <laughs> we don't have a violin music, but the first one was awesome. There was this, <laughs> you're making fun of white people. <laughs> you laugh all the time at us, <laughs> and it was just awesome. And the complaints kind of stopped after
3: we, that. We... <laughs> uh, I don't think we actually got through the full complaint because no, we were like rolling we around laughing, laughing and laughing. And i guess that's the funny thing with wild blackham is, is we the the, the premise is that, is that we're angry about stuff um but the way in which we cope with it is we laugh about it um and there, when we're not on air like over the christmas break um i really miss it because it's therapy um, yeah it's like i can i know that once a week i can come and just cry belly laugh like and let it out and i can get up the next day and um yeah fight again
9: yeah and the, the Aboriginal community loves it. I've listened to it
3: and I love it. So, for your target audience, hey, it's working. We <laughs> love you. Cool. Uh, Bless. any more from the audience? What's major wild this week? What's major oh, wild? Come on, right <laughs> Everything hasn't <laughs> been good. crazy.
1: I said I wasn't going to ask a question, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, Angelina, before, um, in your last session, mm. there was um, a question about the sometimes double standards that some people believe exists, where we have jokes or we have um, references that we use as blackfellas um, that we should then expect to be okay to be used by non-Aboriginal people because if we use it, it's okay for other people to use it. Did you want to comment on that?
4: Yeah. Um, terminology, we were talking about the terminology that we adopt to regain the power and regain our own and it could, sometimes there's been derogatory language but she was actually referring to derogatory language that um, African American people use um, and I won't say the word, cause it's offensive. But so um, yeah, but she was uh, she was sort of posed a question that made it sound because um, we use that terminology too. It was hypocritical. Um,
0: it's the N word, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. No one likes the N word.
4: No, no and there's like. around the place there's a, there's a few words like that for Aboriginal people too, like. It's like There's the G word, and that is actually a language word in New South Wales, but um, if you call me that to my face, Mm -hmm.
0: you know. (laughs) Well, I I heard it cleverly articulated. My husband's African-American, so he says, you know what, we've taken the N word, we've claimed it as our own, which means that we take the sting out of it. We don't give power to those who've used it in the derogatory sense to marginalise us, to oppress us, to make us feel bad, and we own that, S-H-I-T. And Mm. he says, but we don't say... N-I-G-G-E-R, we say N-I-G-G-A. In other words, hey, I'm from the herd, I'm a brother, I'm But not every black person in America is an N-I-G-G-A. Mm. But, like he said, it's about taking the sting from it. It's mm. about claiming it and saying, you know what, we're going to flip it on its head. You okay. think that you're going to have some power of us Be- by calling us that? Honey,
5: we say that to each other!
0: So... You know,
9: I think that if um, non-Indigenous people use some of our slang or our terms, it sounds, um, it sounds fraudulent and it sounds yeah, like they're well, trying hard yeah. um, and it's not appropriate. Um, so it just sounds weird and it's like, you know, it's not for them
3: to do. So. Yeah, it's ours. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's a, it's so this idea, um, um, Annie Lilla Watson um, always talks about uh, non-colonising coexistence mm. and what it means to coexist with people without taking over other people's stuff um, and I think this place has yet to learn what non-colonising coexistence is and Annie talks about how if you look at the language map of this continent all the different language groups and the first, thing, if you're a colonising people the first thing you do is you take over someone else's language But if you look over 100,000 years, all these language groups have coexisted in this place because not not one has taken over the other. And so there's a challenge for the settlers to think about coming to this place, what it means to have a non-colonising coexistence. What does it mean to accept that people are here and I don't have to take over or claim or ban? I just can respect that. Mm. And that it's not my place to speak for, to take it, to all that no, kind of stuff. Really it's a, it's a, and and, and mm. if you haven't been raised that way, it's really hard to to think what it means to... Like, when we acknowledge country, uh, we, it's, it's like it, we really mean it, like we have this yarn about we're going over this place and doing Wild Black Woman, but what does that mean to do it on someone else's country, to yeah. talk about other people's yeah. business? And we're thinking about what that means and not being disrespectful because it's not our place. And so if you're not used to thinking about your, that you're always on someone else's country and what it means to behave appropriately as a guest like you would be in someone else's house, um, then that's why you don't get it. But yeah. we and do but that all the time, that just everyday. Like I
4: think the, the creation of that and the trend of it and that that's taken off over the years... Um, it's really accommodating and welcoming, and, and if you want to use the reconciliation word, it's there, because welcome to countries isn't automatic. You don't just get automatically invited to allow to be someone in, el- in someone else's house. There was rules. You had to announce that you were coming. You had to be given permission. You know, people had to know you're coming, and if they, if they, they let you, they guided you through through places, and... So for safety reasons and all sorts of reasons. So the fact that an, uh, Welcome to Countries is automatically given to people when you turn up to a event
9: <coughs> is pretty... And he, even for us, um, Mob, like for me, I'm, a, I'm living in Noongar country, and some, so, you know, I'll, I'll probably live here forever... But there's some things I can be involved in as an Aboriginal person and other things that is um, not my prerogative. And I respect that and I'm comfortable with it. So when we talk about Aboriginalisation and who can uh, participate or who can't, we haven't um, already... We haven't... We've walked that talk ourselves. So, you know, we respect that. You know, if we, we have a workshop on youth, we make sure youth are there to talk about the issues. We don't presume just because oh, we were young once that we can speak on their behalf. So it's about getting, you know, genuine and proper representation and um, respecting people and empowering them.
3: And the one thing that makes me wild, we've talked about this, Mm. is people who critique welcome or acknowledgements to country. Uh, You don't get to critique it. If you've been welcomed or someone's acknowledged country, then say thank you. That's all. Yeah. No, well, the last time someone played the didgeridoo and there was, you know, like... Yeah,
4: yeah, and I like the one where the guy had the feathers on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't care. I don't
3: wear feathers when I do mine. (laughs) <laughs>
4: it's, like, it's like the language thing, it's like that woman's sort of getting annoyed because she was so hypocritical that she couldn't use derogatory, like what, you want to be, me to give you permission to use derogatory language against another person, is that what you're saying? It's like, and I don't like giving out information and to this date to, because my, mother grew, up in, my gr- mother grew up on a mission, so all of that, those, that, that, that rights of you know, going to school, having an education, speaking language was taken away from her, so why should I be giving that willingly back to you? And it sort of grates on me having to do that when people ask me stuff. And,
3: you know, occasionally, yeah, it makes me wild. Hey. Make um, me we're almost at the hour.
8: Uh, Underneath the ground at the Olympic Dam mine, there is an old sleepy lizard. BHP is mining right into that lizard named Kultha. And it's not so sleepy anymore. The old a lizard. I really know. Mine go. The Lizard Returns Protestival 2020 Uncle Kev is putting out the call This is an invitation to all people and protectors of the land and waters To get involved in the creation of Autonomous Zone as we move for peace and justice BYO your own creative response to the nuclear industry and BHP's water theft Keep an eye on the Lizard Revenge page on Facebook or check out our website for history and info and updates on thelizardbitesback.net. The old desk is waiting for you and me. So we'll have some fun coming the yeah, yeah. The Lizard Returns Protestable, the 3rd to the 6th of July, Arabana Country. See you there. The 3CR supporter. Tree Project are a Melbourne-based organisation that have been replanting indigenous trees in Victoria for 30 years now, and we need your help. You can become a Tree Project member, a seedling grower in your own backyard, or organise your friends to do a planting day. If you're a landholder in rural Victoria and would like to restore habitat on your land, Tree Project is keen to help out. We also offer sponsorship opportunities and take work teams for a planting day. Visit treeproject.org.au to learn more. A free cr supporter.
1: You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. The time is 8.17am. You just listened to about 20 minutes from the live broadcast from the Perth Festival of Wild Black Women, um, which is a fantastic, fantastic show on 98.9FM. I highly recommend you listen to the podcast it it just it it, it hits home on really important stuff it hits all the important points but also does it with some fantastic humor from these awesome women i was giggling away to myself when i was listening to it yesterday and and finding excerpts of it to play so it's really really great um we're coming towards the end of the show now so we have our final interview and it is with helen dickinson um who is part of the center of excellence in disability and health speaking about a new report that they've released about um government responses uh, to the COVID pandemic, and specifically um, in relation to people living with a disability. Um, Good morning, Helen. Can you hear me? Good morning. How are you doing today? Very well, thank Mm -hmm. you. Uh, So, Helen, why don't we just start off while, why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell me a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, so in my day job, I'm a professor of public service research at the University of New South Wales in Canberra. Um, and then the Centre of Vaccines in Disability and Health is a partnership between a number of universities around the country who are leading edge in terms of disability um, and health research.
1: Fantastic. Um, and so you're, the Centre has recently released a report. Can you tell me a little bit about um, what this report is? Yeah, well,
2: we became quite worried that um, although there's a lot being talked about in relation to um, the health sector and the aged age care sector in relation to COVID-19, um, we haven't heard very much um, being said about the provisions around people with disability. And that's really important because um, people with disability often um, have a number of underlying um, health conditions and are actually more vulnerable in this. Um, pandemic than other other populations and we haven't heard a lot coming from the government around this so um, we put together, I mean it's a report it's only two sides um, that sets out some of our concerns around um, the current situation and some of the practical things that we think that the government can do to help us better prepare so we can um, make sure we keep people with disability as safe as possible um, during this outbreak
1: Mm. And you say that you lay out some of the things that can be done. Are you able to briefly summarise what some of those key things are?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a range of different things. Obviously, the group of people with disability covers a wide range of of people, from people with very high needs um, and high support needs at one end to people with with lower needs at the other end. But I think what's common uh, across all of that is there's a real need to um, very quickly Um, scale up the capacity of the health sector to care for people with disabilities. So, um, we suggest a, a series of activities like making sure that where we have clinics who are doing um, testing, um, that they're accessible to people with disability and that people with disability and their carers understand um, where those clinics are and how to access them. A lot of the evidence tells us that health services at the best of times are not very accessible um, to with disability, So we need to make sure that in this very confusing um disrupted time that, that that's very um apparent. We think that there probably needs to be some extra um resources put into things like videos, conferencing and, and telephone consultations um uh, so that people with disabilities can continue to access health services but without necessarily putting themselves um at risk of, of leaving um homes. Um, We we think there could probably be a dedicated hotline for people with disability and um, families and carers to to access um, information um, and, and, you know, essentially make sure that there's still enough support for people um, if they're quarantined. If you think a lot of people with disability who need um, daily personal care support will have a lot of support workers coming in and out of their house. Um, Often those support workers don't just work with one individual, they work with multiple individuals, um, and now increasingly are on um, uh, more casual contracts. So that means that if they don't go into work, they don't get paid. Um, and so there's, particularly if you're, you know, a lot of people in these roles tend to be fairly low-income people and you're being incentivized to go into work when you might um, if you potentially have an infection. That could be quite dangerous. So we think there's a need to um, guarantee the hours of people um, whether that's through the National Disability Insurance Agency or other or or body, so that people aren't incentivised to go into people's homes when they might not be feeling um, well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're kind of sort of referencing all these things that need to be done, and obviously much of this or most of this is a, would be a government-led response. Obviously, it's been a fair few weeks now since since COVID-19, a couple of months since COVID-19 first started and and quite a while since it's been obvious that this was an escalating issue. Why do you think, are you able to potentially have an insight into why you think it is that the government hasn't actually started considering these things yet or why the government hasn't even really made a statement yet around how to best support people with a disability?
2: Having not been on the inside of those discussions, it is really difficult to um, it's difficult to say. And, no, and you know, and I am involved in you know uh, this week a number of discussions with various different levels of, of government and also um, organisations by um, you know peak disability bodies and others who are rapidly mobilising around around this space. I mean, it's probably um, it's probably not unfair to say that in most um, in most efforts, people with disability are not a priority. Sadly enough, um, uh, although we have the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is um, which is rolling out and then is you know hopefully going to improve um, in a much needed way um, disability services. Um, unfortunately, just people with disability has not been a priority for us for a number of years. Um, and so to some extent, it's, um, it's sadly unsurprising that we haven't seen a, a statement like this come out. But I do have to say that since we, um, since we released this statement, um, towards the end of last week, we have had a lot of interest from Different organisations and different individuals who have either said this is great, you know, this is something we were calling for, or people saying, okay, how can we do this? How can we support this um, a little bit more? And you know, and and, you know, governments aren't the only ones who can act in these situations. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've been really pleased to see is that at community level, um, many people have um, mobilised to to think about how they can support people within their communities who, who may have a have disabilities or how you can support um you know families and, and carers of people with disabilities and I think that's a hugely fantastic thing. This you know people will get through this not only by being a government response but by being a community response where we all take responsibility for um those who live around us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Also obviously considering that that, that you know we shouldn't be filling the gaps that the government should not believing i suppose absolutely not I and mean, it's
2: always it's always, a, it's always a, a, a difficult balance around that isn't there and, and as i say you know um some of the things that i talked about are some of the practical actions that we think governments can take and if people are interested in in having a look at that document there are a bunch of other um recommendations that that we put in there that we think are. Um, you know, basic things that the government needs to do and then things that community can do around that um, will hopefully help to um, um, guide us through this really difficult time. And it's a difficult and scary time for everybody.
1: So if people want to read this report and see what are the things that they could do or share the report to try and further pressure governments to start taking action on this, where can they find it?
2: Um, so it's on the website for the Centre of Research into Disability and, and Health, so www.credh.org.au. Um, uh, or uh, if you Google any of the uh, different um, lead investigators on these, you, you'll find it pretty quickly. But the Centre of Research in uh, Excellence into Disability and Health will be the best place to find it.
1: So that's C C R E D H is uh, is the right. acronym to have a look for that's um that's really really great i'm actually looking at the report right now um and some of the actions that need to be taken and you're right it really kind of goes from those high level systemic things down to the things that we can we can be doing as a community which is really important um i thought we've only got um maybe a minute or so left um the thing that I'm thinking about is like obviously this pandemic is constantly shifting, and the things that we need to be doing in response to it are constantly shifting. Is there any site to kind of maybe thinking about releasing more responses as the situation changes?
2: Absolutely, and, and I think you're right. Is it is a shifting, um, it's shifting, a shifting situation, and this, you know our intention is that this is a a, a living. Document. It's already been added to and, and had some kind of editing around it and we'll continue to do so. And I think the intention is that um, different uh, ones amongst the group now come and, and help um, help support the people who've come forward with their interests mm-hmm. in these different areas um, to really flesh them out in more detail and say, what would that look like? And particularly, uh, as you suggest, what does that look like over the short, medium and longer term?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We need to be, I guess thinking about how this is going to impact us as the months go on. Um, Helen Dickinson, thank you so much for taking the time to come in to speak to us about a report that sounds like it really is absolutely vital that we all have a look at because, you know, we, there are people who live with disability in all of our communities and we know so many of them. So it's really important that we get this out there. So thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Thank you for your time.
1: All right. Have a good day.
8: Hi. Hi. Wear your Radical Radio colours in one of 3CR's new T-shirts. The
2: bright new design comes straight from this year's popular Radiothon poster designed by Asia Tufa.
8: T-shirts cost $30 to pick up or $37 with postage. So drop into the station
7: at
1: 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy.
9: Call 9419
1: 8377 to place your order. Or buy one online at 3cr.org.au slash shop.
8: 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts. Get one
6: one now. Now. I love that little jaunty tune. It's really sweet. (laughs) So
1: That (laughs) is the end of Tuesday Breakfast. Just before we heard from Helen Dickinson, who is at the Centre of Excellence in Disability and Health, speaking about a report they just released um, around... How we need to do more to support people living with a disability when it comes to this pandemic, both at a community and more importantly at a government level. Mm. Um, before that we heard uh, an excerpt from Wild Black Women and before that we heard from Anthony Kelly, CEO of the Flemington Kensington Legal Service about the, um, police accountability project chatbot. Um, Madison, we have 15 seconds left. You said you have a tweet. Oh no, I didn't find a tweet, but I'm just going to
6: infiltrate this space to talk about astrology. Please, uh, let's make everything queer and just engage with one another through the apps. Download CoStar today. Download
2: today. <laughs> 3CR Breakfast
8: would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's radical independent bookseller and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street Carlton or check them out at nibs.org.au to find more information about
2: upcoming discussions and events.